0: It's going to be a good day. We're going to be starting a brand new series called Shipwrecked. Now, a few weeks ago, uh, I talked about this story that Jesus told in the Bible about two different guys went to go build a house, and one guy He started scoping it out, and he found a great place to build a house. He found a solid foundation, a solid rock to build a house upon. And so he went, and he built his house. And then there was this other guy who he really wanted to be close to the beach. And I know how you beach people are. You just want to be as close to the beach as possible. And so he just went out on the sand, and he built his house right there on the sand so he could see all the sunsets. And he had his house out there. And then the storm came, and we know the story. The storm came, and in Matthew chapter 7, verse 27, it says, the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. We're talking about the house on the sand. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, everything about these two people or these two stories is different. Their approach is different. Their location is different. Their attitude is different. Their obedience is different. The, The Bible implies basically that one was following God and one wasn't, and that's the picture we're seeing there. So everything was different about these two guys and these two houses. But there was one constant, and that was the storm. The storm hit both houses. Do you realize that you can be doing everything right and still have a storm hit your house? You can be doing all the stuff. You can even build your house on the rock and there, a storm can still hit your house. And so today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be answering this question or look at this question. What do you do when the storm comes? What do you do when the storm comes? Because... We, when the storm comes, we tend to hit a low point, if we're just honest. How many you guys have ever hit a low point before in your life? For me, a lot of times I discover my low points end up being house remodels. Is anybody going through one of those right now? Anybody? House remodel? Yeah. Just a few weeks ago, I, I tore off, well, I had my deck tore off, and I'm putting in a new deck, and so I'm, I'm like, making this thing really fortified. I'm, I want a great foundation for this thing because my last deck started to sink in. So I dug these holes. I mean, they're, like, three feet wide and three feet deep, and I bought these cylinders, these 16-inch cardboard cylinders so I could pour concrete into to make a real solid foundation, and and uh, so I bought 40 bags of that Creek concrete stuff and put it in my garage. Well, I've never mixed concrete before I don't know what I'm doing so what do you do how many of you guys what do you do now we, we used to have like grandparents or something that would tell us how to do now we have YouTube right so I go to YouTube and I start looking at this and it's like well you got to rent one of those concrete rental th- or, you know mixer things so I went to Home Depot and rented one of those concrete mixed things again I don't know what I'm doing so I pull that thing out there. So I've got over 3,000 pounds worth of concrete that I've gotta move from my garage to the mixer. And it was a hot day and I've never done this and I'm by myself and, and, it's, and I've just gotta get the job done. And so I, I start mixing it, everything's going good. It all looks like it should. I fill up the first cylinder. So not only do I have to move 3,000 pounds of concrete to the back, I have to shovel 3,000 pounds of concrete out of the mixer into these holes. And, and so I got the first one done. I'm so proud of myself but somewhere during the way uh, it was hot and I happened to be dehydrated, my thumb like just locks up. And I'm like, oh crud, I still have to carry like 2,000 pounds worth to come back. I'm, like, I'm gonna do it, okay? I'm just gonna keep doing it because I, the concrete can't dry, right? It can't, it's still going. And so I go back and I'm still carrying these bags and I'm doing this stuff. Then my finger locks up too. I'm like, no, okay, this is. So I run around the house. I start drinking pickle juice. I start drinking water and get back around and I get to the second pier and all of a sudden the, I didn't know anything about this, but the concrete was wet enough that it leaked through these cheap, uh, these cheap things and it exploded like a water balloon and all the concrete just went down. And I'm like, what do I do now? You know, but I've got to keep going because the concrete's going to dry. And so I'm like, whatever, we're going to the next hole and we're going to just keep going. Then pretty soon my arm locks up because I'm so dehydrated. So I had to go back again. Eventually I get the job done. I, find, I finally come to this conclusion that Home Depot rents out those concrete mixing machines just to find out who the local idiots are who want to mix their own concrete. And they're like, hey Frank, we got another one. Look at this guy, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm the guy, okay? So if you've never done that before, don't. Just avoid it. It's... But I wanted a strong foundation, but, but the concrete just put me to a low point, and that kind of happens when I go sometimes to things that I don't know what I'm doing, and, and I bought a fixer-upper years ago, and, and we bought the house as is, and how many of you guys know when you buy the house as is, there's some is in that? <laughs> <laughs> there is. And we found out some of the is as we turned on the water because we found out quickly that every pipe in the place had frozen and burst at some point because it had been sitting for two years. And so we went through and re-repaired every single pipe. Until finally we got down to the very end. And by the, by the way, how many you guys get to the point that you're just exhausted? How many of you guys are in that moment right now? Just be honest. There's help for you today. All right, back there. All right, I see your pain over here. Okay, you have prayer afterwards for it to come down. Um, but we, we, we found every problem except for I got to the point where the garbage disposal drain would not drain. And so I'm looking at it from every angle. I bought like one of those things to try to rotor it myself. That didn't work. I, I rented one of those machines. That if you guys have ever seen these things, you can kill yourself using this machine. I tried that thing. It didn't work. So I called my friend Bob Newell over here. And some of you guys know Bob. And I said, Bob, come over here. Help me look at this. And so... We finally came to the conclusion that we couldn't get this thing unclogged, that we're gonna have to tear off the ceiling from below and we're gonna have to cut the pipe in the middle and unclog it from the middle. And so I got my saws all out and I'm, we're down there in my basement and I'm sawzalling through this pipe trying to, to get it cut and, and just about the time I cut through it, I had this thought. I wonder what's in this pipe. <laughs> <laughs> and instantly I found out what was in the pipe. And it was like sour water, remember two years. It's like sour water, all sorts of junk. Old meat just came all over Bob and me, and we were just sitting there and we're looking, and I'm soaked, and I'm looking at him, and he's covered in old meat, and and uh I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, you're such a great friend right now. But but this is the low point, isn't it, Bob? And we were. We were there at kind of one of my low points, uh, but how many of you guys have had a low point in life a lot more serious than that, right? That's what happens in the storm. You hit this low point, and something happens where you start to lose hope, and we're going to look at a story with the Apostle Paul. He was in a storm. And it's in Acts chapter 27, he was approaching Rome on a ship as a prisoner to go and and to to head to Rome. And in Acts chapter 27, verse 14, it says, But soon a tempestuous wind called a northeaster struck down from the land. What was supposed to be like five or six miles along the coast, it was like this typhoon effect that kind of happened that sent them out to sea about 25 miles off course. And it just kept them at sea. They couldn't fight the current. They couldn't fight the storm. So they were stuck, not just for a day, but they were stuck for days. And in verse 20, it says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last Abandon. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been there at a place where it seems like the sun and the stars haven't shined for a long, long time? And you start to lose hope. So what do you do during that time? And it's easy for us to talk about, oh yeah, just make it through the storm. Just make it through the storm. It's easy for us to read about Paul in this storm and just kind of imagine it like a little cartoon, you know, and he's in a storm and he makes it through the storm. So it, and to help us understand the severity of this, I found some ships in storms. So we're just gonna watch a couple ships in actual storms just to kind of get a hold of the seriousness of it. And it's, it's pretty crazy to watch. So watch these couple ships here. I really don't get any of you guys who like going on a cruise, okay? I just watched that, and I'm just like, I'm out, okay? But that Paul had to be going through something, something like that. And it was serious. So it's easy to talk about having faith and being strong in a storm, but if you're actually on that boat when the storm hits, that's when the real deal happens. And some of you guys right now are on the boat when the storm is hitting. And so it's easy for somebody just to say, and I don't want to make it like a light, uh, thing here, what I'm talking about today, it's easy to talk about it, but I believe that what we're going to talk about today is going to help many of you. Because as a pastor, I've been with many people during their most desperate moments. I've been with many people during their most exhausting moments. I've been through the highs and the lows with people. I've been through the, the moments where people have been at their most desperate time, their crisis moments. And here's what I've realized as a pastor and just watching people. When when you get desperate, you make mistakes. When you get exhausted, you make mistakes. Many times when you're in a crisis moment, you make mistakes. See, Satan loves to use the exhausted moments, the desperate moments, to get us to make mistakes. And so what I want to talk about today is three mistakes that I believe people make when they find themselves in a storm. And what we really need to do about it. And if you don't find yourself in a storm today, you most likely will someday. And so you're going to need this at some point. And the first mistake that I believe that we make during the storm is this. Number one, we listen to the wrong voices. Because when you're in a storm, there's a lot of voices. There's a lot of people telling you how to navigate the storm. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of people who will tell you what to do during the storm. There's a lot of of television shows or talk shows or, or all sorts of things that tell you how to navigate the storm. Acts chapter 27, verse 9, this is before they set out. It said, since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them. He's looking at this trip they're about to make, and he says, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. He's given a warning. He's saying, guys, this is going to be is not a good idea. Okay. First of all, they had a warning from the very beginning to not go on this trip. But the centurion, this is the guy in charge, listen to this, he paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Now, in this story, Paul is really representing the voice of God. We're going to see multiple times where he gets a literal word from God. So Paul is representing the voice of God. And it says that that he paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to set out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. There's lots of voices in the storm. There's lots of people in the storm. There's lots of information in the storm. But can I just tell you, just right out of the gate here, we need, above all the other noise, to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in the storm. We have to cut through all of the other voices to get to the voice of the Holy Spirit in the storm. Because without that, we're going to drift off course. But here's the thing. There's a temptation to listen to wrong voices. And one of the wrong voices we listen to, I'm going to give you four of them, but one of the wrong voices we listen to is the, are the so-called experts. See, there's a lot of so-called experts. The pilot and the captain of the ship were experts at sailing the sea, but they were not experts at following the voice of God. You're going to find a lot of experts in life that tell you about how to parent, how to do your marriage, how to do a career. You're going to find a lot of so-called experts that are not experts in hearing the voice of God. And we have to listen to the voice of God above all else. But we're tempted to listen to the so-called experts because it makes us comfortable. How many of you guys are like me and when you go to Walmart, you think weird things? I'm like, you can people watch at Walmart all day long, right? And so I went to Walmart a few years ago, and I saw this guy who was working at Walmart. I hope he's not here today. Um, probably in the other service. But uh, I, was, I saw this guy back in the electronics department, and he was like selling people TVs. And I kind of walked by, and he sounded kind of like he knew what he was talking about. He was talking a bunch of, you know, uh, technical things that, that sounded like he knew what he was talking about. I was like, okay, this guy's the TV guy, you know? He, he sells TVs, then like a month later I went in there and he was back in the hunting department. And he's like selling all these guns and these permits and all this type of stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, they've really found his slot. Now he's the, he's the hunting guy because, you know, maybe they had him in the wrong spot but he knows hunting. He was there for a couple months. Then I walk in one day and he's back in the eye department at the front with a white lab coat on. <laughs> and he's selling people eyewear. And I'm like, this guy was just back selling TVs, you know? But it's comforting for us to look at the guy in the white lab coat and think he knows what he's talking about, right? Can I just tell you there's a lot of white lab coats out there? There's a lot of white lab coats out there that look like they know what they're talking about. And so the so-called experts, so-called experts... Uh, there's a lot of them, but you realize that sometimes the so-called experts turn out to be wrong. Voltaire in the 1700s, he's like a, a writer and a, he did a lot of different things. But one of the things he's rumored to have said is, is this. Remember this is 1700s. He said, he made this prediction, 100 years from now, the only place you'll find a Bible is in a museum. And then the Bible Society bought his house after he died and started printing Bibles out of his house. Because sometimes the so-called experts turn out to be wrong. And if you just subscribe to the latest philosophy of the day, guess what? That philosophy of the day is going to change tomorrow. And if you're looking at the latest magazine, the latest TV show, the latest book, can I just even tell you the latest Christian book, the latest Christian speaker? Sometimes what it is is just simply pop psychology with the Bible trying to wrap around it. You have to go back to the Word of God. You can't, even the so-called experts in the Christian world today, we have to go back to the word of God. Just because they have an argument doesn't mean they have truth. And we have to go back to the word of God because there's a lot of so-called experts. And if you, you just look at the popular things of the day on how to have a good marriage, you start reading the magazine, start reading the news about how to have a good marriage, how to have a good, good business. I mean, all these things can be helpful at times, but if they're not the word of God, they can be problematic at times as well. So it's tempting to go to the so-called experts. The second voice that we listen to that's wrong many times is the circumstances. How many of you guys have ever listened to the voice of the circumstances? You start looking at the waves and it's like, well, I better do something about these waves, right? And so we start to look around at the circumstances. One of the things that they looked at as they were making their decision is they said the harbor was not suitable to stay. So they had a word from God, from God's man, And they're like, yeah, but the circumstances say this. The harbor does not look like we can stay here. Has anybody ever made a bad decision based on the circumstances around you? Anybody at all? Okay, yeah. And many times we make a bad decision based on circumstances because we're pressured into a decision. Have you ever been pressured into a decision? And you look at the circumstances. You're like, I've got to make a decision. And you look at the circumstances, and you make a wrong decision. Anytime I'm pressured to make a decision like that, for me, the answer is always no. It's like, if I don't have a word from God on this decision, and I feel pressure, then, then I, I'm out, because I don't let my life be dictated by the circumstances. The, the, another voice that they listened to that was the wrong voice, it says, the majority decided. Do you realize the majority is most likely, most of the time, the majority is wrong, In fact, if you want to have a good plan to live your life, if you were just going to pick a way to live your life, figure out what the crowd is doing, do the opposite, you'll probably turn out okay. Because the majority, many times, is wrong. And they listened to the majority. Another voice they listened to that was wrong was this, a misplaced hope. It says that they, on a chance, that things would turn out right. Basically, the roll of the dice that things would turn out right. It's going to take if you want to weather the storm. It's going to take hearing the voice of God. And I sadly I think too many of us have lost our appetite, lost our hunger, lost our drive when you get in a storm to cut through all the noise and to hear a word from God to dig into the word of God, to listen to the voice of God, to listen to the people that God is speaking through. We've lost our stomach for that because it's easier to go to the so-called experts. It's easier to, to look at, at the circumstances. It's easier to go with the majority. It's easier to roll the dice on the information that's easily available because it's convenient. Do you realize that sometimes hearing the voice of God is not convenient? And I think so many of us, we've lost our appetite, we've lost our hunger to hear the voice of God in the storm. And it's easy to listen to a podcast or read a book, and that's where we get the voice of God from. Listen, those are supplements, but those are not substitutes. you got to get a word from God. you got to cut through all the noise. And so they had this whole problem here of they rolled out. They got themselves into a storm. Realize the second thing that, that really is a mistake that we make in the storm is we end up losing our hope. Because of all these other things we've just watched, all the storm, all the circumstance, all the low points, we lose our hope. Acts chapter 27 verse 21 says, Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up and said to them, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incur this injury of lo- and loss. I like Paul. He's like, guys, I told you so. <laughs> you should have listened to me. But here we are. And he says this. He says, yet now I urge you to take heart. And this is what I want you to catch today. If you are in a storm, take heart. Take heart. Don't lose hope. Take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only the, of the ship. Now, think about that. That doesn't make sense. They're in a storm in a boat, and Paul has a prophetic word, and he says, guys, here's the word. We will all survive, but the ship will be destroyed. That does not make sense, does it? Can I just tell you that sometimes when you're in a storm and you get a word from God, it doesn't always make sense. And you have a choice to make. Are you going to hear and hang on to the word of God or are you going to go with circumstances, and majority? Are you going to go with so-called experts? Are you going to go with convenience? Are you going to go with chance? Sometimes the word of God does not make sense when you're in a storm, but you have a decision to make. And it says, for this very night, then Paul tells him why. He says, this very night there stood before me an angel of, of the God of whom I belong to and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all these who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. And here's what I want somebody to take today. Take heart. And here, here's what I want you to hear. God's purpose can still happen in spite of the storm. Even if you are right now in a storm of your own making, do you realize that God's purposes can still happen in spite of the storm? See, God says, Paul, you're going to Rome either way. I'm gonna get you there. And I don't care if there's a storm, if they put you in it, if you put yourself into it, my purposes are still going to happen even in spite of the storm. You may be in the storm right now and looking at it and saying, there's no way. How does this work out? This doesn't even make sense. This may be a word from God that you need to hang on to right now. God's purposes are still going to happen, even in spite of the storm. But I want you to hear this. It's not just about pushing forward in the storm. It's not just about doing the right things in the storm. There's another element that needs to happen in the midst of it. And here's what I want you to hear. So many people get in a storm and they just put their head down. I'm just going to do the right thing. I'm just going to do the right thing. I'm just going to do the right thing. And the atmosphere about them is wrong. Do you realize you can do the right thing and have the wrong atmosphere about you? You can have the wrong attitude. You can have the wrong spirit. You can have, how many of you guys have ever heard this scripture? I'm sure you have. Faith without works is dead. How many of you guys have heard that? Faith without works. In other words, you can say you have faith, but if you don't have anything following that up, most likely there might not have been any faith there. But do you know this? Works without faith, is dead? The Bible calls them dead works. What is that saying? It's saying this, you can be doing all the right things, but if you don't have faith in the works, or with the works, they're dead works. They don't count for anything. There has to be a right atmosphere about us, an atmosphere of faith, an atmosphere of hope, an atmosphere of love. And the problem is too many of us in the storm, we lose our hope. Do you realize that hope leads to faith? If you lose hope, it's hard to have faith. And so if you want to have, it's not just about getting through the storm. It's about the right atmosphere in the storm. How do you know if you have dead works? Dead works are all about you. It's about how good you look, about how bad you feel. It's about how others don't get what you're going through, about how you're way up here and everybody else is down here, so I'm just going to do the right. Dead works are all about you. And if we we just all about us, then eventually when you look at you, you're going to lose hope because you realize you can't do it in your own strength. And there comes a day when you, you can't do it on your own. And so I can say it this way. The way you do things is as important as what you do. The way you interact with people is as important as who you interact with. Because at the end of the day, when you get to the end of your life, you realize that people won't necessarily remember everything you did, but they will remember the way you were. Your kids won't remember everything you did, but they will remember the atmosphere that you carried about you whether you had an atmosphere of hope, an atmosphere of love, an atmosphere of faith. And I think some of us have lost our atmosphere. And so what I want to do right here in the middle of the message is I want us to receive communion. There's no better place than to come back to the cross and to remember the finished work of Jesus. We're gonna have the worship team come back up and we're gonna just, just gonna stop right here and we're gonna reset our atmosphere because you know that you can have circumstances swirling all around the outside of you, but you realize there can be peace on the inside of you. There can be hope on the inside of you. There can be love on the inside of you. And I believe that this is gonna be a moment of an appointment with God for many of you right now. As we come and we remember the blood that was spilled for us, the body that was broken for us. We remember that Jesus died on the cross, he took our place, he took our sin, he took our pain, and he rose from the dead so that we could have life. And he said, it is finished. And every time we go through a storm, he doesn't have to get back on the cross and do it all over again. He already did it. But some of us today need to be reminded that we're in a storm, but we can have peace on the inside. That there may be a storm outside the boat, but we got Jesus in our boat. And so what I wanna do right now, and I, just, I believe what's gonna happen in this moment is that hope is going to rise up on the inside of us. I believe that many people right now in this moment are gonna be injected with joy unspeakable. I believe many people are gonna be filled to overflowing with joy. I believe that people are gonna have hope rise up on the inside. I believe, even though the circumstances may not change as we sing this song, as we receive communion together, I believe the, the atmosphere on the inside of us can change. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna tend to the inside We're going to tend to our soul. We're going to tend to our atmosphere, to our attitude, to the faith. And so many of you guys are doing right things, but with the wrong atmosphere. Today, we can let all of that change. We could put faith with our works. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the ushers begin to come and they're going to pass out communion because we got too many in the building to to move around. And you're just going to take these elements and some point during this song, just have a little moment with God and Receive the elements right there at your seat. And God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. And I just see it just in the spirit, just filling up every single person, just filling up every single person. Lord, let us be filled up to overflowing. Let our hope come back. Let our faith arise in Jesus' name, amen. All right, grab a seat. We still got one more point, guys. I mean, you guys just already feel pretty encouraged, right? God's doing something right now in this moment. I want you to hear this last mistake that I believe many times we make. We're tempted, the band's just gonna hang out with us from here on out, but many times we're tempted just to abandon ship. We're tempted just to say, well, forget it. I tried this, I tried that, and now I'm in this storm. It didn't work. We're tempted just to, to leave, to get out, to push back, In Acts chapter 27, verse 27, it says, when the 14th night had come. I'm not talking about the first night, the second night, the third night. We're talking about the 14th night at sea in the storm. They were being driven across. Let me skip on down. It says, and fearing that we might come on, run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and they prayed for days to come. Have you ever been there before? You're just praying, just give me some sort of light. they prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, here's what was going on. Some of the sailors wanted to jump ship. And so they pretended that they were going to go let down the anchors, but they were actually letting out the escape pods, the escape boats. And they were getting ready to just Go. And Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, remember he had a word from God. He hung on to the word from God. He said, every one of us is gonna be saved. He said, unless these men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the, watch this, then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. They cut away their escape. They just cut off the ropes. Can I just tell you, if you're in the storm today, don't abandon ship. Don't pull back from church people. Don't pull back from kingdom activity. Don't pull back from the word of God. Don't pull back from, from what you know is right and true. Don't pull back from what God God's is, is purpose and his calling is for your life just because you're in a storm, just because it doesn't look like it should. Don't pull back from what you know God has said. Don't pull back. The worst thing you can do in a storm is to pull away from God's people and God's purposes and God's word. The worst thing you can do And too many of us have a pattern, a default. When we get in trouble, we pull away from God's people. We pull away from the word of God. We pull away from relationship with God. It's because we don't know who we are. It's because we think that, that we're separated from God anytime there's trouble. No, we're nearer to God when there's trouble. Don't pull away. And instead of abandoning ships, you know what we need to do? We need to cut loose the escape boats, the plan B. You guys, many of you guys know that story of like this warrior who went over and took his army over to this island and he was outnumbered. And many of you guys know that, that story of he, he gave the order to burn the ships they came over on. And as the ships are burning, he tells his men, he said, I, I did that so that you would know that there's no way we're going to leave this island alive unless we win. And they won. What did they do? They cut away their escape plan, and they kept with God's plan A. Can I just encourage you to stick with God's plan A? Can I just encourage you that no matter what the storm looks like, there's God, God still has a plan, you can burn the default pattern, burn the escape plan, burn the plan B, and draw closer to God, not further away. Watch what happens. As we wrap up this story in Acts chapter 27, verse 33, it says, As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day, and you have continued in suspense without food, having taken nothing. They had held off eating food because they were trying to ration it out, so they hadn't had food for a couple weeks. And he says, so Paul gets a word from God. He's like, We're going to be rescued, guys. It's all going to be okay very, very soon. Go ahead and take something to eat because it's almost over. Therefore, I urge you to take some food for it will give you strength for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Basically, he had communion right there on the ship. Then they were all encouraged and they ate some food themselves. We were all in in all 276 persons in the ship. So they eat food because Paul says it's about over. Now watch what happens in the very next scripture. It's one of the biggest acts of faith they did. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. They believed the word of God so much that even though they had food for the next meal, they said, No, the word of God says we're gonna be rescued. We're gonna do something irreversible and we're gonna lighten the ship. We're gonna throw away our food because we have so much faith in the word that God gave us that it's gonna be okay. They did an irreversible act of faith. And some of you need to just cut the escape pod. Just say, no, I'm not gonna find that. I'm going to stick with God's plan A, even though I'm in a storm, and I believe that God's word is true. Many of us have this debate of like, should I rent a house or buy a house? Renting a house, you have these options that if you don't like it, you can walk away from it. If you buy a house, you can do whatever you want to with it. But if you don't like it, you can't walk away from it very easily. And I think so many of us, we get into a storm time or a a nice time, and we end up renting God during that time. Or maybe when things are good, we're renting God. But when things are bad, we pull away. Or some of you are opposite. Whenever you have a crisis, all of a sudden I see you in church. But I haven't seen you in the good times. See, sometimes as a pastor, I don't know whether people have left our church or they're just our seasonal church attenders. Well, that was strong. That wasn't in my notes there. I don't know. We've rented God. Instead of buying all in and saying, God, I I don't know if I, I'm just gonna go all in. But you know what? Even that is not an accurate representation because here's the truth. We don't get to rent or buy God. God has bought us if we're in Christ. So guess what? You are the house. God bought you. He can remodel the walls. He can paint the walls. He can move the wall. He can do whatever he wants because he bought you. You've been bought with a price you don't get the option to rent God or not rent God. And so many of us, we've written a list of our goals and our purposes and our likes and our our wishes and we've written it down on the paper and we've handed it to God and say, God, please sign off on this. And what we really, God's really asking us to do today is just this irreversible act of surrender and this act of faith and to simply take the blank sheet of paper to sign your name on it and say, God, fill in the top. Do you know what that takes? Surrender. That takes an all in. Surrender. An irreversible surrender. And some of us end up, we run from God and you're in the storm and you're running from God. But I, can I tell you, God is waiting to be caught. You're running away, but God is waiting to be caught. My, my youngest daughter, she was probably three years old and we would play hide and seek. How many of you guys know when you're playing hide and seek with a three year old, you win if you want to? And even as an adult, I could find places to hide in my house that she would never find me. But I'm a good dad, at least I think I am. I'm a good dad and so I didn't do that because I'm with a three year old. And so I would hide in places where I could easily be found. There'd be maybe a mirror and I would be in the mirror so she could see me as she would come down the hallway and see me in the mirror and she would walk up just a little 3-year-old walk up and we'd catch eyes in the mirror and she'd have a big old smile and she'd jump around the corner I found you daddy. I would hide behind the door where there's a crack in the door and I'd be looking through and she'd see me and she would jump out I found you daddy. You realize God's a loving father. He's hiding in easy places to find him. He wants to be caught. He wants to be found. And today, I believe he's he's here with us today. And all we have to do is just jump around the corner and say, God, here I am. You know what I love about about my little kids when they're little? They They have no problem running and just jumping on you, right? Some of you guys just need to do that today with God. Just do that with God. God's a father. He wants to be caught. So what I wanna do is I'm gonna just do something here at the end. I want us to stand up and I'm gonna read, just go ahead and we can stand up right now and maybe bow your heads and close your eyes and I'm gonna read one of my favorite hymns and you might even just turn this into your prayer as I read it. Just kind of let this just kind of solidify if you're in a storm and even if you're not. You might just kind of close your eyes and just put yourself in a posture just to to be deposited into today and I, I love this hymn, it says this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood, Support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Jesus, we come to you and we stand upon a rock. We want to build our house upon a rock, not upon a sand. We want you to be our anchor in the storm, not the not all those other voices. Not all those other temptations, not all those. Lord, we're not pulling back, we're running too. Lord, I just pray for every single person here that may be going through something today. There would be something in them right now that would run to you, knowing that you are the rock that they can stand on. And throughout all the years and all the centuries and since the beginning of time, you've never changed and you never will. You've never failed and you never will. And today we rest in that unchanging grace in Jesus' name. Amen, let's worship one more time.